Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today's guest has been a long time coming. Somebody that I met at Paul Check's 60th birthday a couple years ago, Laurel Erica. Y'all might have heard her on Paul Check's podcast back in the day, maybe Aubrey Marcus's. Uh, she is a word magic queen and a poet and a highly evolved being. Let me just put it that way. She is um, an incredibly wise and beautiful elder. And uh, it was a pure joy for me to have her on the show. Um, due to time constraints, this one's a little bit shorter than I would have liked. I will for certain have her back on. Um, if you've never heard of her, totally cool way to get to know her on this podcast. And then check the show notes because I'll link to some of her finer work that she's done uh, via videos as far back as 2010 on YouTube. So we'll have that for you in the show notes. Um, really how she's made a name for herself is uh, seeing seeing the world as it is and calling in through the power of our words, the creativity of our words to create something better. And uh, I'm all about it. There are many ways you can support this podcast. First and foremost, share it with a friend. Word of mouth is always fucking good. And uh, leave us a five-star rating with one or two ways the show's helped you out in life. Organifi is still, every single month, selecting one winner based on how good your your, your review is. And uh, all you got to do is leave your Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook handle, and we will shoot you over my favorite product from Organifi every month for the rest of the year. They did it last year too. They're the best. Uh, and then finally, reach out to our sponsors. Our sponsors make this show possible. Check them out. Buy their swag. Get involved with them. They are absolutely incredible companies. They are all hand-selected. And I'm a huge fan of all of them because I use their products and they work. All right, y'all. This is going to sound pretty ridiculous, but you got to hear me out. Recently, a Picasso painting sold for $103 million, which is more than a 1,400% increase from when it was originally auctioned in 1997. So what if you could invest in paintings like that one without spending millions? The good news is now you can with Masterworks. This $1 billion tech company analyzes tons of data to find iconic paintings and makes them investable on their platform. Pretty genius idea if you ask me. They realize net returns of 17%, 21%, and 27% for their investors from their last three offerings. In fact, one member has made over $65,000 from his investments with Masterworks. With numbers like that in this economy, I can understand why over 605,000 members have signed up. And with stocks coming down from sky-high valuations, demand to join the platform is higher than ever. Luckily, I've partnered with Masterworks to get you guys VIP access from the start. Uh, I invested in a Bridget Riley painting titled Arcane, painted in 1972. It is absolutely dope. I am very confident that it's going to do very well, and I'm just patiently waiting to see how it turns out. To secure your spot, head over to masterworks.art slash Kyle. That's masterworks.art slash Kyle. We're also brought to you today by my homies at curednutrition.com slash KKP. One of my favorite products from Cured is Zen. Zen is a nootropic formulated by Cure's very own in-house clinical herbalist. It contains a blend of reishi mushroom, ashwagandha, chamomile, passion flower, and broad-spectrum CBD. When it comes to health and wellness, we can all rant and rave over the latest fads. The truth is, ensuring something as simple as a good night of sleep would do more for our wellness than all of those fads combined. In addition to eliminating artificial blue light after the sun sets and timing my last meal several hours before heading to bed, I started using Zen in my bedtime routine. I take it about 45 minutes before I hope to fall asleep, and I couldn't feel more satisfied with the results. Not only am I getting the most restful sleep I've ever experienced, I'm also waking up refreshed with zero grogginess. Now, how often can you say that about various sleep aids on the market? Right now, Cured is extending an exclusive offer to you, my listeners. You can grab Zen for 20% off by visiting www.curednutrition.com KKP and using the coupon code KKP at checkout. That's C-U-R-E-D nutrition.com slash KKP and coupon code KKP at checkout to save 20% off. This blend of functional mushrooms, adaptogens, and cannabinoids will have you sleeping like you've never slept before. We're also brought to you today by Lucy.co, one of my longest sponsors. Look, we're all adults here, and I know some of us choose to use nicotine to relax, focus, or just unwind after a long day. Lucy is a modern oral nicotine company that makes nicotine gum, lozenges, and pouches for adults who are looking for the best, most responsible way to consume their nicotine. It's a new year. Why not start it out by switching to the new nicotine product that you can feel good about? I've absolutely loved using Lucy products because there's a lot of places where you can't even use tobacco. Even if you had an organic tobacco, it's just not allowed. But pouches are allowed. Uh, lozenges are allowed. Chewing gum is allowed on airplanes, in gyms, while you're, while you're teaching people at, at, at school and things like that, you know, classrooms, whatnot. All this stuff is available to us now in a way that makes getting nicotine easy to consume in a healthy way 
minus all the crap that they put in cigarettes and everything else. If you enjoy using nicotine, you should definitely check out Lucy's products at lucy.co. That is L-U-C-Y dot C-O and use promo code KKP at checkout. Also, I have to read this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine and nicotine is an addictive chemical. Uh, that's quite correct. And it is quite awesome. In addition to that, that's, I think, why it's addictive. That's my own little ad lib there. If you didn't pick that up, they didn't tell me to say that last part. Last but not least, we're brought to you by the homies, www.organifi.com slash KKP. Organifi has been one of my longest sponsors. Uh, I absolutely love Drew Canole. I love their whole company. Very cool people working there. And I've got to meet on multiple different occasions, whether it be at Paul Checks or different honored events. Um, just, just a great crew. And Organifi is a line of organic superfoods that offer plant-based nutrition with high-quality ingredients and less than three grams of sugar. That's a big fucking deal. Anybody that got into juicing after uh, fat, sick, and nearly dead, like I did, didn't didn't really realize how much we were spiking all the blood sugar from wanting to make something taste good. Celery juice is good for fasting and good for, for detox and things like that. It's a huge pain in the ass. And if you want it to taste sweet, you got to add something sweet. Now you're going to start packing on fat. So... Organifi has done a great job of mastering adaptogens, mushrooms, and various Ayurvedic medicines and put them into their plant, into their, really what their plant medicine is. It's a plant medicine. There we go. It's a plant and mushroom medicine. Mushrooms aren't plants, y'all. So they make these medicinal compounds that work very effectively at increasing your mood, uh, opening up vasodilation and getting you to perform better or think better. Think more clearly to increase endurance. That's the red. The green is very good at combating uh, any type of stress, whether that's psychic stress or physical stress. So uh, again, the adaptogens are going to find their way into your body via the drink, and they're going to know what to do when they get inside. That's just how it works. And it's pretty, I mean, that's the non-scientific way how it works. It fucking works though. That's the point. Organifi green, Organifi red, and Organifi gold are absolute favorites. Um, so yeah, leave a review on the podcast. And at the end of each month, we will randomly select a winner listener. You'll receive my favorite Organifi product. Please leave your IG or Twitter handle so we can easily connect you and get you your prize. Organifi.com slash KKP and grab a sunrise to sunset kit to be covered with red, green, and gold. My absolute favorites with 20% off using code KKP. And without further ado, Miss Laurel Erica. There we go. Laurel, welcome to the podcast. Hello. This has been so cool. It's been a... It's been... Over a year since we met, maybe two years. I think Paul's coming up on 62. I think we met at a 60th birthday party. And I had first heard you on his podcast and was blown away by just the the beauty of your words and and the power behind them. And not just the power behind what you were speaking, but the power in general behind words that 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 does not get seen. You know, I had Peter Crone on the podcast um, a couple of weeks ago, and one of the things that really stung out to me on a full body resonance, he says, when you're talking about this, you think you're describing something, but your words are not descriptive. They're creative. You're creating it, right? And I was like, <laughs> blew my mind, right? And that, that speaks to exactly what you've been deep in study with um, for, for, I don't know how long, but you know, this podcast, what I like to do is get a bit of, a bit of background on what made you, you, you've, you've, um, You've been around and you've, you've, you've got some books and you've got a lot of, of, of wisdom and knowledge to share with us. When did that start for you, tracking the, the power of words? I remember saying, and I believe I was three or four, telling my parents, I bet I now know all the words in the English language. And my mother, showing her true colors in the earliest hours, said, I bet you don't, rather than what's your favorite. And then she proceeded to say a word. And I said, well, what language was that? Because I was convinced that early that I knew all the words. And I know that's because this is what I came here to do. And I love when words pop out of the dictionary at you from, you know, un unexpectedly. And one that came that I saw is anamnesis. And I really enjoy sharing it because it means the soul's recollection of what it knew from a prior lifetime. Mm. So isn't it nice to know you've got all that experience and knowledge and evolution behind you to broadcast your message verbally and energetically in ways that are catalytically activating. 
So anamnesis, it's now the second definition was a patient's recounting of their medical history, which is what I call taking the sublime and reducing it to the ridiculous. <laughs> and, and there are words that I've found, and perhaps you have, that hold um, a message in them that expands our sense of human possibilities. So one of them I quite like is a philocalist, which is someone who appreciates the good, the noble, and the beautiful. Mm. And I thought, oh my gosh. Now, if we as human beings knew we had that capacity and that that's what makes our hearts sing when we scintillate with these higher frequencies of energy, I think we'd have some very different kind of behavior going on. So I came in with a sense that I already knew all the words. And years later, I wrote my story in the form of what I call my feriography. Because I, I do believe I come from the elemental kingdom, and I look at it alphabetically as L-M-N-T-L. <laughs> anyway, there's so much. I have published a, a tip of the iceberg of what I've how I've entertained myself. As I explained in my feriography, I was born in upside down town to the king and queen of backward land. I spoke a foreign language, which they had to twist to understand. The king was sowing sorrow and the queen was reaping grief. I held my dreams, but lost my way, confused beyond belief. How ossified the king in patriarchal misconceptions, and how brilliant was the queen in monumental self-deceptions. And I wish that I could say that they were singular expressions, but they were the rule, as I know you'll confirm with your reflections. So I went through an unprecedented mindfuck, and I call it a quadruplicitous mindfuck. And I think it's because I'm innately of sound mind, very attuned to the sounds of words, I was able to tunnel my way through the English language sound system by way of echolocution, as my friend once described it, through a slip of the tongue. And I am actually probably the only one you've ever met who aspired to tunnel their way through the earth to China who actually made it. And I made it because I tunneled through using echolocution through that sound system. And it took me to China. And I'll explain that little background story. And anytime you want to jump in, please do. I, I can unfold musically. Um, and it, you might want to just step in at any moment. I'm happy to just sit back and let you rock and roll. This is beautiful. Tell me about China. Thank you. So, so my, my earliest memory is saying, I know I'll know all the English words in the English language. And the other, maybe even earlier memory was being a toddler. And my father had a, this is, this to show you that the life stream and the life's dream, you can't hear a difference because there isn't any. This is our collective daydream and nightmare right now. I mean, we're the creators and all the, all the, anyway, another subject. So 
my father, being everything is metaphoric as in a dream, it's symbolic. My father, who was from Pennsylvania, um, and I'm a writer, he was taking delivery of a sound system. As I recall, it was a Magnavox monaural sound system. And the delivery man was uh, had opened the box to remove it and set it up. And I, as a toddler, came in to see what he was doing. And he said that when he opened the box, a bat had flown out uh, the window and into the backyard and was hanging from the tree. So I went out, I stood in front of the tree and in my, expecting to see a bat hanging from it, but in my memory of it, it was in that moment that I discovered that the same sound can have two unrelated meanings. I was expecting to see a baseball bat when he had meant a flying bat. So that odd coincidence, which I don't dismiss as irrelevant, which is how most people understand coincidence. Oh, these two disparate elements came together in the same spot or the same sound at the same time. But that doesn't mean anything. Go, go elsewhere. <laughs> Don't look at that. I looked at it as I was navigating with echolocution. And so my fairyography is about an elemental being who goes through the looking glass into this dimension in pursuit of a bat instead of a white rabbit. So it's the opposite journey as Alice, and the bat sent me exploring words. And so in the story, she goes through the looking glass into this dimension and has to deconstruct the language to find her way back home again, because our, our words, the sounds are creative, their meaning are lenses for our perceptions. So even the word meaning, what does a word mean mean? Well, do you know what mean means? It means cruel, nasty, shabby, and average. So how did all those meanings get in the, mean, the word that means the meaning of means? Mean is also middle way. So there's another word about understanding what a word is. Those syllables and vibrations in that arrangement is meant to convey to your mind. And that word is definition. Well, but if you're trained to be deaf to your definitions and you're playing music so loud that you're actually losing the acuteness of hearing you were probably born with, then you are deaf and you've been deafened to the miraculous mirage that we've been living in and generating as we speak and write and in all the other ways we do it. So we're living in a nightmarish life stream. And to get back to your original question about how did I get to China, I pursued a bat and started playing with words very early. And oh, maybe 10 or a little more years ago, I was at the Pacific Asia Museum in Pasadena. and. At the, there was in the gift shop, there was a basket with um, little puppets. And there was a bat puppet looking at me. And I was going to be teaching word magic or sharing it with children in a um, homeschooling group. And so I thought I'd really like to get that bat, but I'm not sure I want to spend the money. Then I went to um, looking at the exhibition, and there was a little label that had a bat and a symbol of something, and it said, according to 
um, Taoist philosophy, the bat is the symbol of happiness because in Chinese, the word fu means happiness and bat. And I thought, are you kidding? There's a whole culture that does what I do instead of making it wrong and dumb? That was revelatory to me. And then when I was in China, one of the places we were taken to had all these Buddha statues. And the guide said, this is called the land of happiness because in Chinese, the word Fu is happiness, and I think Buddha is Fu, something like that, small differentiation. And so the bat sent me on my life's journey with the English language and practicing Buddhism in my 20s, a form of Buddhism, um, is what I was doing in pursuit of happiness. So there was my life story culminating in that moment. And in terms of anamnesis, the soul's recollection of what it knew from a prior lifetime, the quick little story about that is that <clears throat> when I was writing my theriography, I wanted a wish-granting poem. And I wanted it to be as musical and magical as bippity-boppity-boo. So bubbly syllables. And I wanted every syllable to have significance. So the first two stanzas just came through, and these are what they are. With cryptic, cabalistic tricks, I fix elixirs that equips linguistic mixtures to transfix. As fertile verbal herbalist and hypnotist of gibberish, I stir within my crucible all elements reducible to simple symbols that eclipse the prospects for apocalypse. So when those lines were written, I thought, prospects for apocalypse, what's that doing in my poem? That is a very heavy vibe. And many years later, I read in a book, I believe it was Healing Mantras by Ashley Ferrand, that in the court of Queen Elizabeth I was the wisest, most educated, knowledgeable person, John Dee. And there was the belief at the time that music paired with structured, metered, I think rhyming verse could calm hostilities. So he was working with a cabal of English and French poets to create just that kind of magic scintillating incantations to bring about world peace. And when I read that, I thought, that's why I thought I now know all the words in the English language. I've been at this for a while. One would expect by now I would, but of course I don't, and the language is changing all the time, which is really important, because that's one of the things that are meant to be done at this time. One of my little word magic aphorisms is that confusing dimensions creates dementia. So if you try to fulfill a spiritual evolutionary impulse through a physical surrogate, which is mostly what happens through this backward land mirroring dimension of existence, you will, uh, you will go crazy. Addiction is trying to get satisfaction out of the mirror reflection of what you really want. So someone who's hooked on spirits is really eager to connect with spirits because that's where we come from. 
We come from the invisible and incarnate physically, but that's just our avatar. That's just the little personality we're meant to operate from the spiritual perspective. So we are formulating this as we speak and write. And where I was going to was there are evolutionary impulses that are very pronounced within us at this time. Love, of course, is one of them. But some people think love is about fucking. And no, not necessarily. And just think of the fact that the word fuck you is used, it's hurled as an epithet. It's thrown at people like a dart. And yet, if fucking is the most exalted physical experience, especially if you're connected on the spiritual plane and through the heart simultaneously, that's where self-transcendence can really occur naturally, regularly, and in your own bedroom. If you come from that place when you engage in it, but if you're just looking for friction and stimulation, um, even then it feels good. But to hurl it as a swear word at people, to shoot it off, Rapidly and frequently, it kind of, in my estimation, I'm not the ultimate authority. I think it loses some of its authority because it's like having a big weapon and you're shooting off your mouth all the time. And therefore, it does, people just expect that from you. So it doesn't have the impact and it doesn't stimulate your own creativity to see if you can speak more perceptively and eloquently about what it is you're seeking to transmit to another mind energetically and syllabically. I know I'm in the middle of a thought. I love this. I'm not going to rush you at all. You can take your own, take your sweet ass time, rest where you need to rest. Yeah, this is phenomenal. I'll take a sip too. It's unlike any other I've done before. I keep thinking you're Joe Rogan. You look so much like him. <laughs> Thank you. He is a handsome man. He's a little, little shorter than me, but, but we got some similarities. Yeah. He's gorgeous. That's lovely. Thank you. A tall man who fills out his own presence, who isn't hiding in the basement or the attic somewhere, but is just embodying himself fully. What a powerful presence. And how reassuring to those of us who do not have that kind of physical stature and power, yet know we are uh, exquisitely powerful. I want to digress for a moment and tell you a story about that. Yes, please. Thank you. So when my son was nine, my brother uh, went and brought back to, for him from Tijuana a switchblade knife. I'd never seen anything like it. I'd never held a weapon in my hands. And I was fascinated. I was also horrified that this is a gift he would give to his nephew, which lets you know how discombobulated the royal family of backward land were. That my brother would think to do something that is beneath idiocy. But speaking of beneath idiocy, when my son was 12 and we moved, I was a single mother, never married. Left his father when I was two months pregnant. Was meant to be with him because I got pregnant on a very memorable day in the history of humanity. I don't believe I want to go into that story. However, when my son was 12 and we moved, he had muscle strain. 
So I took him to the pediatrician. I said, he has muscle strain and he wanted to do blood tests and x-rays from which he concluded muscle strain and, and a bill for me to pay. And what was his remedy for a 12-year-old? Valium. And that was the last time we ever stepped foot through his childhood in the office of a mainstream practitioner of the healing arts who have been so hoodwinked and dragged away from their own heart because they set out on that arduous path out of heart and the desire to learn and discover and serve and make a difference. And it's so funny when people use the phrase about making a difference in the world, they forget the qualifying adjective. If you want to make a difference in the world, just get a flat tire on the freeway. And then imagine at rush hour, and imagine what a big difference you've just made in the lives of thousands and who knows, maybe millions of people. So I like to qualify it by say, making a positive difference in the world. And if you want to feel what it's like to be having intercourse everywhere you go and with perfect strangers, walk to them. Speak beauty. Talk is the other four-letter word that means intercourse. Speak beauty. Imagine you have, I once looked at a flower, and I thought, oh, for heaven's sakes, it's a flower. And we can be flowers too. And when we are, there is a divine flow that's seeking to embody in us, enrich us, redream reality with us, and co-create and communicate as us. The divine is looking its inlets and outlets. So do you want trash talk and have that amplified? Or do you want to speak beauty, which is synonymous with truth? So it's not about flattery. It's about authenticity. And being authentic is what we're born to be, as every child demonstrates. But in backward land, people can get pretty twisted. So I am even at this, um, I describe myself as having the spirit of a spring chicken in the body of an old friar, a monk. <laughs> so I'm at the far end of the calendar, and I'm still working on, well, let me, I don't want to articulate it. I am still in the evolutionary process, seeking to get freer and freer and freer because Oh, here's the other piece of the story that I wasn't going to share. And a friend of mine suggested that I speak it orally. It's called selenotropism, growth in response to moonlight. So when I was very little, I had questions about things no one ever talked about. And I thought, I must be very backward, because how could they live a life without the answers to those questions? And so since no one, I figured they'd answered them for themselves already. I didn't know. I thought it was I who was backward. Um, 
I came in as one of those early imaginal cells that the system has an autoimmune response to. So I assumed I was the backward one. And I thought if I could read their behavior, I could intuit their conclusions. And I know I had a a profusion of questions of that nature. The only one I remember is thanks to D.H. Lawrence, his book, perhaps it was Under the Rainbow, something like that, where this young woman is embracing a soldier and feeling her heart contracting like a bead, a tight bead inside her. And I knew the pain of that place so well. And she says, how can I come together with another person before I have centered the moon in my own being? And when I read that, I thought, yes. Now, why don't people talk about that? And so that, that was an enduring question for me. And I didn't know whether it was literal or metaphoric. I'm assessing what amount of backstory makes this more relevant. Oh, there's so much. In any case, I believe I have a strong energetic connection with the moon as a human embodiment of lunar energy. I have tangible evidence of it. And therefore, One of the evolutionary impulses that's underway at this time, well, one is, for collectively, the desire to unify as a superorganism of awaken, awakening souls, contributing their gifts to the commonwealth from which we all are enriched. The effort to co-opt that evolutionary impulse and turn it from spiritual to physical has been the effort to create herd immunity. And so in a, a little summary statement I wrote about all that I have discovered and distilled through a lifetime of playing with words, um, I wrote, we are on the edge of an evolutionary leap into higher consciousness or an ant heap. And there's a whole lot of energy being directed to turn us into herd immunity, where we are obedient to what is heard and are like autonomous automatons with identical identities. So we are in the middle of this big moment where people are deciding, they're pronouncing their own sentence on themselves. Hopefully we will predominate. I trust we will. I know ultimately we will. And I just invite those who think that power on the physical form is even a a twinkle of the power we have as spiritual beings that we can bring for the, oh my gosh, for the revitalization of the earth. It's nothing. You want all that? It will sink you, but you will not swim and you will not fly. And that's where the rest of us are heading. And you're invited. Think of all these wonderful whistleblowers who are coming out of the heart of darkness and blowing their cover. So as an incarnation of the moon, which is how it seems to me, and others have reflected it to me. I believe it is possible for me to lead that 
evolutionary impulse to evolve language that is proliferating with words being stolen, words that have had meanings for generations being stolen and say, no, you can't say that anymore. We've decided it's changed. And, and if you don't agree with us, you're racist, you're biggest, you're homophobic. I mean, they're throwing fuck you words at us in various forms all the time. But there is this evolutionary impulse to evolve language, the spiritual part of it. So in 2010, I posted my YouTube video taking, what is it? Um, the Secret Spells of the English Language. And that's how most people have found my work online. A woman posted it on the Facebook page of Collective Evolution, which had enormous uh, followers, and that's how it went out suddenly and quickly. I asked her to please post the second one, the anthem, which is the antidote. And it's called Taking Command of the English Language. And she never did. So sometimes when people hear my, my uh, YouTube and others have borrowed my title, one rapper named B period, O period, B period, he plagiarized it entirely and started speaking it as if it were his own. And I contacted his manager who, who gave me a screw off lady. And I, and I contacted YouTube and they forced him to take it down. But someone else saw it on YouTube. And it's not so much the theft, but the fact that it's, it's a fuck you to yourself because you're saying you're not a channel to divine ideas that are new in every moment, spoken in a particular way that can resonate and impact people powerfully. You're saying, I can't do it. I have to steal from this person and conceal the steal. Wow, what an impoverished sense of self that has to come from. In any case, People who see my secret spells of the English language often ask, who did this to us? And there's another disempowering question. I think it's important. I think it's curious. But it's like, who do we go after? And the point is that I have two points to make. And all of this is conjecture. All of this is me having intercourse with the, the vein of divine intelligence that I'm particularly in, attuned to. So I, I am certain, and I know, a lot of it is intentional. And the fact that my language is being manipulated right now, you don't say mother, say birthing parent. And and if a transgender person, uh, uh, what is it, a woman becomes a man and can have a baby, then you have to say men can have babies. And that gives lie to Freudian Freud's belief that women had penis envy. Women can have all the penises they want anytime they want them. It's men who have womb envy because we are the bringers of life. And to take words with well-established meanings and agreement and change them, that's how you're looking to create a brain scramble. And especially when you legislate, it has to be said this way. And all you people, all of us, I mean, I'm a fringe person. I'm a fairy. I come out and I admit it. I'm uh, an English language elemental. I also feel very kindred to the moon. As I said, be creative. So my solution to calling a man, a, a woman, a, a man who's having a baby, and it's hard to even keep it straight, it's so nonsensical, be creative. Don't expect, just like walk into a 12-step room and they'll tell you, don't expect everyone to change their behavior to protect your sensitivity. That's 
craziness. It's insanity. Get creative. So how about uh, a man who can have it, a woman that can have a baby? How about a womb plus man? A womb man, okay? So that that honors your roots <laughs> as someone who came onto this dimension with the womb and honors your choice as well to be a man. <laughs> Similarly, a man who wants to be a woman, also a woman, but you could call yourself, I think we need to keep the categories distinct. So woman for a woman, that transition, um, and a free male for someone who whose origin is male and whose choice is feminine. And that's lovely. We've all been hungry for the feminine agenda. Whether you're masculine or feminine by birth or by genitalia, we're all hungry for mother love. And look at how we've desecrated Mother Earth. And we live inside her womb. I mean, the suicidal impulse, they talk about it in young children. Well, when the entire culture is looking to commit harakiri publicly, what do you expect? But people say, oops, I didn't mean to go here. I certainly felt that way. This is a dark journey. So here's my current theory. We come from such a place of light and power. We know we are invincible. And yet this planet here needs help. It's like, God, I'm flea-ridden. I'm covered with parasites and of the human variety. And they are the most ferocious and deadly and ugly and self-destructive. They'll happily destroy their own host. And we decide that our magnificence can't be fully appreciated in a realm when everyone's magnificent. And love is all there is. I need to use a different voice now. <clears throat> so we say, I am superhuman. I will never forget who I am and why I'm here. And so we agree to tunnel through the heart of darkness and to get trammeled and stomped on and steamrolled over and, and drawn and quartered in all the ways that they do it here. Pardon me, I have a reactive body sometimes. That's what a really sensitive organism who weathered a very brutal environment is a little jumpy sometimes. So, So we knew we could do it. We knew that what was within us was greater than anything that could oppose us. And a week or so ago in journaling, a message came through, which is, in order to become an unstoppable force for good on the planet, you must have confronted and ultimately overcome the impossible forces set in motion to oppose you. So a lot of us started out as super beings in infant form, <laughs> surrounded by impossible forces set to oppose us because they're culture clones with identical identities that, I mean, it's like, of the millions of cell of seeds, which are cells that trees drop, it's like you know, so few sprout and grow to their full potential. And this is the age, I believe, of the everyday superhero, where there's more opportunity 
to get the help one needs, like our beloved friend Paul Check. And I I don't know what you and well and Aubrey has his program, and I think you're part of that, are you? Yeah. Yeah. Actualizing potential, wonderful word for it in telekey. Isn't it lovely? It means your actualized potential and the force within you that is drawing you and driving you to self-actualize. You are all have been through such harrowing journeys that would not most people out of the running and out of the ring, and you've made it, and here you are. And the first thing I noticed about you was the size of your big heart. So wouldn't it be, won't it be lovely when men, since it's they who have penis envy, the bigger the better they believe, but it's about getting a heart on. The fact that earth and heart is the same word, to me, indicates that the purpose of life is not to get ahead of everyone else in the human race like it's some deadly competition, but to get a heart full of love for all of creation. So get a heart on, and you will be in harmony with earth and all upon it, as more and more and more of us do. And when we see a man like you, Kyle, as big, as tall, as potentially mean. You're a deadly warrior if you want to be. But you are about the the light sword, the light that emanates from divine intelligence as it embodies in you. And the heart energy that is the heart of the mother, the feminine we all long for. So that's my little, my thoughts about words at the moment and the evolutionary impulse to evolve language. And uh, my anthem is called Taking Command of the English Language. And it's on um, YouTube, on my channel, and uh, also posted in 2010. so we'll, we'll we'll link to all that in the show notes. It's been absolutely incredible having you on. I know you did a lot longer with Paul and Aubrey, but um, keeping us here at an hour, and I'm sorry it took so long to get us technically situated, but it's been incredible having you here. If there's anything else you guys want us to include of your work, we will absolutely link to it in the show notes um, from books to different videos you've done. Uh, you've been an exceptional person, and I wish I got to spend more time with you in person. Uh, well, hopefully, hopefully we will at some point. Yeah. Love your heart, Kyle. Thank you. I'm so honored. Very powerful. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Laurel. Have a beautiful day. You too. <laughs> Bye.